We had to take it back, fam. You can't forget. You can't forget about the greats, about the Titans. Pop. My adversaries cry like hoes, fully eradicate my foes. My lyrics explode on contact. Came in you hoes, who else but mama's only son? But the phony niggas, I'm the one. Say my name, watch bitches come. Now fire when ready, stay watching now, figure. Increase speed, make you motherfuckers bleed from your mouth quicker. Plus all these niggas that you run with, be on some dumb shit. Trick on the hoes. I ain't the one, bitch. Welcome back to the I Mean Podcast. That came with you on my dick Plus this alcohol increases the chance to be deceased I'm moving you stupid bitches This is telekinesis Yo, where were y'all when this shit came out, man? Like, what was you doing? Were you were you even amongst us? When this shit came out? Oh my God My dad put me onto this My father, yes He's like 61 years old now I mean, that's what we do We get older, huh? Wait until you guys hear the guest today. Ah, a fashionista, a fashion blogger, Miss Moore style. I ain't even gotta introduce the artist, but I will. Rest in peace, pop. Alright, that's all I'm leaving y'all with We are back with another one This is a special episode, a very special episode With a very, uh, you know, a very special friend of mine um, This is episode 50, by the way What a journey it's been and we've only begun Listenership, people around the world Hopefully you're safe and sound wherever you are And uh, without further ado, I want to introduce the world to Miss Moore Style herself, Jessica Moore What's happening? What's good? Hey, I'm hyped now. <laughs> Yo, you get it. I knew Jessica would understand. Yes. I knew she would understand. Like, she understands me. <laughs> so I'm like, she'll damn sure understand why I'm doing this the way I do it. Because you are excited. Like, you, like you're warmed up. You know what I'm saying? Yes. I was like, oh, okay, I'm ready to go. You know, it's like warm up uh, before you were a figure skater. Like, jump back Yes, long time ago, another life. But I still try to keep up with it these days. Do you? What kind of I things mean, do you I do to keep really up with it? Treat. What kind of training do you have to do? I hadn't gone in so long. I go, I you know, because I was a pretty serious competitor from when I was about seven to age sixteen, and I quit because I really wanted to get into acting and doing theater at school, and I just literally could not do both. And the ice skating thing, I was just getting so burnt out with it. And I just wanted to move on. And so for years after that, I just never really went all that much because I was so burnt out. And then as I started to get into like my mid 20s, I started to want to go back more because I started getting these auditions where they were like, we need an ice skater. And I was like, well, crap, <laughs> I got to go practice first. So I started doing it for that. And then I think it just, I had enough time of like space and separation that I really. I'm starting to like really love it again. And then the pandemic happened <laughs> and all the rinks got shut down. And so then I really missed it because like, you know, when you can't have something, it just makes you want it more. Mm-hmm. And so 
I was like on the internet trying to find like rollerblades, like anything to sort of like have some sort of uh, similar activity to that until I could, you know, get back to the ring. And they finally kind of opened up the rinks again. It's like a little bit on the down low sort of situation. But yeah, I had a really good streak a couple months ago, like in the holiday time, and like maybe early January when I was going like once a month or once, sorry, once a week at least, and sometimes twice a week. And then I was doing some like group classes too. I, I kind of fell off because we went skiing for a couple of weeks. And so I got out of my routine, but I need to get back to it because yeah, I really miss just mostly the like music and like interpreting music with your body and movement and things like that is what I really really love about it now did you when you got into figure skating was it were you a dancer before this and then it's kind of a lateral move but on ice with ice boots on i mean i was pretty young like i was like three years old when i wanted when i expressed interest in getting into it but at the time at that age i was like bouncing back and forth between ballet and gymnastics so much that my mom was just kind of like oh this is just another like whim you know she doesn't really want to do it she's just going to change her mind in like six weeks so she told me when i was six if i still wanted to do it that she would get me lessons and so like you know in the meantime between then and when i turned six my dad would take me to like public skating sessions and we would just skate in circles and like it was just the best time those are some of my favorite childhood memories with my dad and then when i turned six i was like okay i'm ready i told you i wanted to do this three So I had a ballet lessons at that point in my life. You're the you're honestly the uh, the only human being I've ever met that had ice skating lessons. <laughs> that were, did anything on ice. <laughs> you are literally. It took me so yeah. many years of my life to come across another. Well, I'm sorry, not another because I've never done it at all. Just an individual who had <laughs> or come from an ice sport at all yeah um, i mean you grew up in kentucky right yeah you know like there's um Not- we don't skate on ice unless it's a pond across the street and it freezes over in the winter time did you have a pond across your street you guys have ponds that freeze in kentucky really yes we had a pond i'm sorry <laughs> have. i was just in tennessee you know I grew up just not far away from you in Tennessee and it never got cold enough for a pond to be frozen enough or it'd be safe to get on. You know, so that's pretty crazy to me. In my opinion, a pond is never fucking safe enough to try to walk on. We're not designed for <laughs> it. We're not made to do it, but Touché. people be doing that shit. And I watch them from afar Yeah, where I'm safe and sound. <laughs> that's where I watch. So that was my show. You know, I was narrating it like Nigel whatever his last name is, or Jeff Corwin, <laughs> someone, Nat Geo, just narrating the whitivities, watching them do what they do. And, uh, oh, one, I love it. one plummeted to the depths of the uh, pond across the street, as we call it. <laughs> and that's too bad, but that's how life goes. This is the <laughs> circle of life, ladies and gentlemen. You know when that PBS music starts to play? Yeah, we, we learn a lot through observation. <laughs> and you guys do you learn a lot through doing yes hilarious shit <laughs> and we watch and observe and we learn not to do those things at all <laughs> we find our lessons in other experiences <laughs> you know what i'm saying Plus, i'm sure that shit is super yeah. fucking expensive let's not uh mince words here 
ice skating oh god and figure skating yeah. and getting I mean, better my at mom it and getting never bigger forget about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah my mom like never let me forget like how expensive that shit was like yeah. she would just tell me like all the time in my childhood she's like if you weren't a figure skater i would have a walk-in closet of designer clothes and a jaguar convertible and i'm just like well damn thank you for your sacrifice i mean <laughs> my black parents hey man i ain't got it <laughs> I don't yeah know i mean you. my parents definitely you know how to like, get it <laughs> My parents, like, I have to, like, give it to them because, like, my dad has always been self-employed and, you know, being self-employed, you go through ups and downs with finances and sometimes things are kind of tight and sometimes they're not. And it's very uncertain. And I've learned that being a self-employed human myself, but Mm -hmm. they always somehow found a way to make it happen for me, even though it was just so insanely expensive. Mm -hmm. And so thank you, mom and dad, (laughs) for just like you know really like embracing you know my dream that way i mean i really appreciate them and i know karma's going to be a bitch because if i have kids watch one of them's going to want to be a equestrian oh my or gosh, something <laughs> yeah you about to man all these academies and shit and uh you know a little sports, i have a kid that's like i want to do clinics. horse racing or something or horse jumping or something related to horses and i'm Water like oh, polo and i'm like that doesn't <laughs> how is this expensive that doesn't even require clothes yeah, water polo is expensive, is it? I don't know. I'm fucking around. It's I mean, I know it's kind true. of a bougie. It's it, definitely a bougie sport. It's a bougie sport. Uh, it ought to not be expensive. There's just a ball <laughs> involved. And then it's just... It also seems miserable. Like, who wants yeah. to just tread water and also try to, like, hit a ball? That's, <laughs> yeah, that's misery to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can understand curling, where you just slide and then you allow a skillet to slide down the ice. Yeah, it's like shuffleboard on ice, right? Yeah. I don't know the rules. And it's yeah. just the more you watch it, I'm just like, look at how well they all do the same exact thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know what the points, the point system is, the scoring system, but it's fascinating to watch. And I'm like, what how, how like how do you decide one, how many people desire to do this someday? And then how many of those do you have to murder or kill to get to the you top know, of the rung or the ladder of the elite of all of the it's curlers so, it's a hilarious pieces. sport because like i remember i feel like it only became an olympic sport not that long ago hmm. because you know being a figure skater like the winter olympics were something that i was always highly paying attention to mm-hmm. and i remember I, I can't quite remember when it was but i do distinctly remember when curling like came on the scene and it was just this one Olympics where everybody was super fascinated with it to the point where my local ice rink where I grew up skating, they started doing curling lessons there <laughs> and like having curling league. And I still don't even know the rules, like, but I still watch it completely fascinated. Like what is happening here? <laughs> it's fascinating to watch. Cause I still don't understand like the mechanics. So you got one cat, like this one nigga looks like he's at the end of a bowling role like that stance but the whole way he's letting this iron that you use the iron clothes with down like slide down this path that has to be created in real time by the ultimate cleaner upper of floors the brooms the broomsmith <laughs> call him a broomsmith for now um, <laughs> listenership you can email me at i mean at gmail.com if you have a better name for this shit or hit me up on ig uh, Monkey D. Trevanti, but right now, Broomsmith. 
broom. <laughs> well, like, what else could we call it? That's just off the cuff. I don't know. I feel like if I was somebody working in marketing at like the Swiffer, the you know the Swiffer things, yeah. like I would have made a commercial. Some because that's what it reminds me of is like they're like Swiffering it really fast so it slides fast. Yeah. Don't give the game away. Come on, Char- charge these niggas for that. Make them pay you, Jessica Moore, Miss <laughs> Moore style. Think like a businesswoman. Nope. Pay them maybe for that I'll, idea. Maybe I'll shoot them a pitch today, and uh, I'll shoot them a pitch today and be like, "Hey, I got a great idea for you. Uh, you should partner with me so I can create this uh, this ad for you." That's smarter. You said so. The re- the way that you framed that was very important. You said partnership. No, 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 no. You're not going to hire me, and like you can just fire me. Or fi- or fire me from my idea. Keep my idea employed. Because <laughs> that's what people do, don't they? Like they'll yeah. fire you, keep your shit though, because they separated you two as like entities, and they use contracts and shit to do that. Uh, and possibly you didn't read enough. Yeah. Of the fine print, you didn't get your cousin as a lawyer to just proofread this shit real quick. Like, what does it really say? It's got all that law jargon that they don't want us to be able to understand so that we can sign up and not know what the fuck we signed up for. You don't get all of that. <laughs> you notice where I am. I'm in a hotel. You are? Yeah. And so oh, I'm, I'm dealing with. Now that I'm actually fire. paying attention to your background, I can see <laughs> that it, it does look hotel-esque. Oh, it's very hotel-esque. Here, <laughs> here's what happened. Listenership, y'all have no idea wow. what happened. Okay, so here, so here's what happened. I get to the crib yesterday, and the landlady uh, pulls up, and then like with a big ball dude, and he's a plumber, and they've been sending plumbers back and forth to the roomie's crib to check out his restroom because there's a leak in the floor beneath. So because of this, none of them identify the right issue the right problem right meanwhile they continue to show up and try to troubleshoot through our place even though the problem's not necessarily in our place but it's like in the middle of the wall next to our place so it's basically our place right but that's not where the leak ends up but they have to go through our place to get there listenership y'all following me it sounds nuts i'm sorry so they finally confirmed that they have to do more searching and there's only one way to do that. You got to knock the wall out oh. to see to what extent the building itself has a plumbing issue. So it's not just about your place, but your place could be the entry point, right? So for now, mm-hmm. jot this word down. This is going to be heavy. Preliminarily. <laughs> oh, that was stressful. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, that was unnecessary. Anyways, preliminarily, that's crazy to say. Why would I do that? So, right. for a few days, um, they put us up in the hotel. So they gave us all. I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna need mine. That they're gonna need theirs." So they, <laughs> we have our own hotel. I'm like, "Yeah, put me up someplace near," and that was it with internet. They gave me internet. The bare minimum. <laughs> oh, no. And that leads us to there. Yo. Listenership. I'm I'm thinking we all had internet problems on the same day. I've never encountered so many people with internet problems that very day, Jessica. With, really? With, yeah, with Spectrum. The other day, you mean? We were supposed to talk. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Here's the problem, in my opinion. I had issues, and this is what it really comes down to, and I'm sure people are aware of this issue, is that there's just not enough internet companies out there to choose from. And so the few that you do have to choose from don't feel they need to really excel at their offerings, their services, because the competition is so low. So what you get is like crappy service because it's like, well, you don't really gotta try that hard because it's not like, you know, because I think where we live, you know, you can only get certain providers. You can't just pick from whatever you want of internet. Like it's like, oh, this is your zip code. This is your street. These are the people that offer internet in your area. And that's it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So they and don't have to issue. care. They don't have to innovate. No. They really don't have competition, competition like that, but they do have contemporaries that do the same thing and render the same service that they do, but they're so few in number. Yeah. And I can't remember where I saw or read this, but I read an article or it was like on a show that I watched where they were kind of talking about this issue and they were sort of showing like a map of like just one city as an example. And they were showing how like AT&T and Time Warner kind of have it worked out with each other where they're like, okay. And then they just kind of have their own like turf, I guess, if you will. Mm. And so then wherever you happen to live, that's really your only option. And so you have to go with that. It's kind of BS. (laughs) Nah, that's super fucking bullshit, <laughs> to be honest with you. I think that day Spectrum had had a an outage in our area. Well, the night before, modem or whatever the hell it was, just like never recovered. <laughs> yeah, it's like they control all of the internet in a whole yeah. geographical region. Like, yeah, Crazy. if you live in this city, it's just going to be this option. And if it's a shitty service... Well, I guess you just that's all, you yeah, that's, that's all that you have. You know what I'm saying? Now, I know that there are more things like Fios and this and that, but sometimes those things aren't even offered where you might live at all. Mm-hmm. You know, I yeah. don't know if that's a non- Yeah, I don't think we can get Fios thing. where we live. Yeah. You know. It's bullshit. It's kind of like only having like, oh, I can't charge my car up anyway around here. They don't believe in the future. So I guess I got to <laughs> trade this in and get a whole different kind of car that re- that asks for a whole different fuel source that's non-renewable. <laughs> Jeez, little pits. Oh, my God. You have an electric car? Is that what you're saying? No, I don't have no electric car. I don't want oh, to have to plug. That's what you're talking about. I wanna, look, people be struggling to find a place to plug their phone in sometimes. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I need a wall. I don't be having no struggles. But you can only imagine me looking for a place to plug my car in. I don't need those problems. You know what I'm saying? You know, because they probably spend an equal amount of time going around looking for energy that we do going around looking for energy. You know? You know, like, you can drive. I'm not sure how electric cars work, but I know that with some gas operator, I'm like, you can drive. Now, you can alter your habits a little bit. Don't brake so hard. Don't hit the gas so hard. You, you know, you can get a few miles back out, you know, back out of the tank until empty. You can get to the next gas station, though. But, man, if you're just in a place that don't give a shit about your Tesla and you got one <laughs> and you ain't there with it, man, that shit uh, flown back to uh, L.A. somewhere. 
or wherever they have the little <laughs> charging stations. You know, that's well, just cool in a metropolis. Service is pretty crazy. So, um, and it's pretty amazing. Like, went for a ride the other day, and oh my god, it's like a spaceship. What uh, was it? The Model X? Oh, I forget. I think so. Did you see them things? You know what? We were riding in those things. Uh, you remember the wedding? Wait, uh, who's wedding? Dean and uh, da, 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 Kimmy. Oh, Kimmy. Out of Malibu. You yeah. were in a Tesla? No. Uh, we. You know what? Y'all might have been somewhere else. We got lost or left behind. Probably left behind. Um, so they had to come back and get us to bring us to wherever, like wherever the fuck everybody else was. Uh, they came back to get us in that oh, okay. Model X was was the uh, SUV, and it was like oh, a okay. Yeah, it opened up with with yeah. the Daniel Sun crane doors. Like <laughs> wow! And I was like, oh, that's how we doing them out here. That's how y'all doing us. What what the Daniel Sun crane kicks for doors? Is that what y'all doing? I've already like manifested that my next car someday is going to be a Tesla. That's what I've decided. Is that what you're doing? Yeah. I mean, it won't be for a while because I've got a good old Honda that's got a lot of life left in her, but yeah. someday okay. it's going to be that. It's going to be a spaceship. And I think by the time we get there, I think there's going to be a lot more places to plug your car in. So less worry. I agree with that. Yeah. He's clearly building the infrastructure to support his empire. So he's not going to not have enough stations. Yeah. You know what I mean? Did you know that you can get a Tesla and he's trying, uh, Elon Musk, I guess we should say his name, uh, is trying to develop this whole thing where if you have a Tesla, you can turn it into a taxi, basically, or like an Uber, um, because they're going to be able to drive themselves without anybody in the car. Okay. So you could literally like flip a switch on your Tesla app or whatever, and the car can go out on its own and basically be an Uber without a driver's. And you can make, I forget what the percentage that you make off of this is. Like, I, you know, Elon Musk takes a cut of this, but like you could basically pay for your car by, you know, using it this way. It's, I don't know. He has, it hasn't launched yet. I think it's still like in the idea phase, if you will. But I heard about that and I was like, it's just wild. Hmm. The nerds like to say beta. <laughs> <laughs> Am I wrong? Well, we're beta testing. Uh, beta stage. We're, we're in the beta stage here. Uh, we're testing, uh, you know, the things in R and D. So back to this expensive ass figure skating. Uh, what did that teach you? Like I apply a lot of the lessons I learned losing heavily and hard playing football and uh, sports as a youngster, and that I apply to everything that I kind of do. Probably the mindset and the mentality more so. I was wondering if as an athlete, a former athlete, not current athlete, do you, um, does that mindset kind of carry over into everything that you do in your life? Your approach to everything, even your approach to fashion and uh, doing what it is that you do for a living as an independent contractor, that get out and get after it attitude, which is something that's, unique to people like us people like you jessica is that they have that kind of attitude like you have to get up off your ass get up get out and get something as they say in the black community 
you know, and that kind of attitude for me, <laughs> I think, was cultivated through one, my culture, but also definitely sports. Because if not, you'll get your ass dusted by whoever is getting up off yeah. of the ass and getting after it when they probably don't want to, you know? Yeah, it's interesting having grown up <clears throat> figure skating. I never really played a team sport. I think I attempted to play basketball uh, when I was like in fifth grade because all my friends were playing and I, I enjoyed playing basketball at recess and at school. Um, but like, actually, I just never had time to go to the practices and I've been in like, a, I'm the type of person who, because I think partly due to being a figure skater and just like having just you and like, you're the person that makes your stuff happen, like kind of cultivated this sort of <clears throat> trait where I just couldn't trust other people to like get the job done properly. And I always wanted to get that grade. Mm. So I always felt like I had doing all the work myself or not. Cause you know, I, that's like the negative thing that I learned from figure skating, but the positive things I learned far outweighed that because like you said, like it's an individual sport and you really have, like, I had to learn how to motivate myself every single day. Um, you know, getting up at like four in the morning to go practice before school and then going to school and then going to the rink for a couple hours after school. And then there's all the other things that go along with it off the ice. You have to do, uh, you have to condition, like lift weights and run and you have to take ballet. And there's all these other components that go into it that it takes a lot of dedication. And it was basically my whole life up until the time that I quit. And I think that is part of the reason why I did get a little burnt out on it. But, um, I think it definitely taught me to have persistence and to have a really good work ethic because, you know, at the end of the day, the only person pushing me to be better was me. I didn't have teammates or, you know, things like that to sort of <clears throat> help motivate me. So I had to sort of learn how to like self motivate myself. With it being an individualistic sport, I, it's like, I can't blame this on no fucking body else but me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like that sad yeah. shit that y'all saw. That was me. That was my bad. Exactly. And no one else. Yeah, if I met ball in a competition, that's my fault. You know what I mean? And, you know, it also teaches you how to like own up to when you don't quite, you know, reach the bar that you want to reach. Like there's no one else to blame but you, you know? So you always have to just try to push yourself every day and try to be better and uh, whatever you need to do to, to get there. Mm. I was driving down the street this week. A little perturbed listenership, Jessica. <laughs> and uh, this is one of the petty reasons why, but we'll break down why I felt this way. I look up and I see a billboard, right? I'm like, oh, that's right. They do still make movies. That's true. <laughs> um, What is Tom and Jerry doing on that billboard? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> what? Let I had just, to, someone had to say something. I'm okay. I, I have a version of this perturbedness to go along with the Tom and Jerry theme. Here. Oh, to go along uh, with it. Okay. Yeah. Well, so I, I don't ahead. leave my house too often these days because mm -hmm. you know, Corona. The Ponderosa. Uh, yeah. yeah not, so a lot of times I'm in my, my uh, living room with my laptop working and I, I was family and I don't like quiet. It needs to have some sort of noise going on. And uh, anyway, so I had, I think either like one of the morning shows, like US, uh, what is it? Um, Good Morning America, or you know what I'm talking about? One of the ones that's like on NBC or ABC. Mm -hmm. And they had Chloe Grace Moritz, who's the actress, 
in a Tom and Jerry and they had her on, you know, doing like press stuff, interviews to promote this film. And they had her being interviewed by this kid. Right. And he must've been like eight, seven or eight years old. This little kid, he's got his hair. Like they must've given him a blowout or something. Cause his hair is like four inches high. He looks like he's a boy band wannabe. I mean, it was adorable, but it was also like, okay, this kid, I like, got the most serious look on his face and he's interviewing her and he's like, so like, what was it like working with Tom and Jerry, blah, blah, blah. Uh, how were they as co-stars? And Chloe Grace Moritz is like, you know, they were really fun, but you know, Jerry's really difficult. And we always had to have like the finest cheese, right? Jerry's a snob and like talking about, and I'm just like, this is so beyond ridiculous. <laughs> Why can't uh, they leave well enough alone? That's what I want to yeah. know. Why can't they leave well enough alone? They, like, they had to go all the way back. I think people are like, man, this whole thing has been so hellish. I need to go back to my most fondest memories of of my childhood. And then someone was like, oh, Tom and Jerry every day, every morning before school. And there was no, maybe so. there was no fucking maybe- words in it, though. It was nothing but clanging and foley and sound effects and people getting fucked up and that was enough why does this have actors in it who are these people (laughs) why are they here no oh my god just run them here's my thought i don't know when this movie got greenlit or when whoever they had the idea to do this but maybe they figured this was a film that they could make easily in the pandemic because they probably just have like a lot of scenes one of the actors and then you know they're just reacting to the what's happening in the animation and then they put it in later so maybe it was a very pandemic friendly idea (laughs) and they ran with it i don't know but i also agree like don't just leave things that are good in the past why do we have to like redo them just show your kids. If you have kids and you want them to see Tom and Jerry, just show them the old classic one. Like, why do we have to like, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying. Can you leave things be, you know, introduce them to what we got introduced to, not the most horrible version of what we used to be used to. You know what I'm saying? Like, I saw just mad names across the top. Michael Payne, yeah. yeah. I'm like, okay, shout out to him. But what is he doing there? Uh, Chloe Grace Moritz, okay. I didn't see her being in this. and I, Hell, I didn't see him being in this. In fact, I, I didn't see any of these motherfuckers being in this. But, okay, shout out to them. <laughs> but uh, what the fuck are they doing here? <laughs> we only need time. Oh, and I only, I'm only checking for Jerry. You know, the occasional <laughs> big black mammy. I'm Jemima character. Thomas, because Thomas, like that nigga's falling asleep. He's supposed to be standing guard and protecting her from Jerry, but he's falling asleep because because he's done work twenty nine hours straight. Have you seen that episode? No. What what episode of Tom and Jerry? Yeah, Tom was so tired already. <laughs> Tom was so damn tired already, right? And then he got tasked with uh, I think that character. She came in scared as hell. Got to the top. She was uh up in a chair trying to stay away from Jerry and uh, Uh she gave him a job 
It was to get rid of Jerry. It was to get him the fuck up out of here. And he had, he was already on like 3% battery life. You know what I'm saying? All right. If you can hear me, I'm just, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, I can hear you. I'm going to be editing my ass off. <laughs> <laughs> I've been marking the whole time, like, all right, 38 minutes. Write that down. What are we talking about? That's the beauty of not recording live, though. We were talking about Tom and Jerry, I think. Yes, we were talking a hell of shit about Tom and Jerry. But you uh, were talking about like Tom or Jerry being like really tired because they worked all the time, and I'm not following. Like, who are these? This is a cartoon about just a cat and a mouse that we're talking about, right? Yeah, same one. This episode was one of the ones. So Jerry's already tired as hell. He's on like three percent battery life. Three percent. Because he's the mouth, correct? No. Um, my bad. Tom. Tom. Tom was. Yeah. So Tom's tired as fuck. And she's like, yo, Thomas, you hold this broom and beat the shit out of him if you see him. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, all right. Okay. Like that. That energy. Dra- yeah. Just dragging. Uh-huh. And uh, he's trying everything. Everything in the book. Everything in the book to stay awake. He's like drinking like nothing but like 72 cups of coffee in a row. And he's walking around with this giant sagging belly. I'm going to find this and I'm going to send it to you. Dragging around, sloshing all this coffee around. So after this, he gets tape, tries to tape his eyelids to the top of his forehead. Yeah, to the top of his fucking forehead. But, but he's got loose skin. He's a cat. So all the skin just kind of folds over. So he's got a Sharpay face. Just a mushy face. Instead, mm-hmm. his shit folded over his face. And then he tried toothpicks. I think you can imagine what he's trying to do with his eyelids. He took the toothpicks Ooh. and jabbed one into each uh, eyelid because it was so heavy, like big-ass curtains. And then he uh, tried to prop them up using, uh, you know, the under-eye area, like your cheekbone? Yeah. Kind of propped them up. Like some awnings. So- on, on like a porch, try to prop him up like that. Them bitches snapped the damn his eyes. His eyes were so heavy because he was so tired. His eyes snapped the toothpicks in half <laughs> to emphasize how fucking tired he was. And then he had this one where he kind of rolled his eyes down like some blinds. Then you got to get him, you know, at the bottom to like click to stay in place, or like <laughs> them bitches roll back up. Oh my god. Those are the ones that stand out. I have not watched so long, Tom and Jerry. Really? Imagine something being so funny without words. Yeah. Like that was the only thing that I watched and probably you watched really that didn't have to have words or use words to be funny. The concepts were hilarious. The setup. I think Wiley Coyote, right, was kind of similar to that as well with the Roadrunner. They also didn't use words. You're right. Yes. Same shit. Very similar, like humor, kind of. Yep. Yeah. Same shit. Absolutely the same shit. So if they could do that, you know, and be that funny to us kids who you can dupe into thinking that, like just, you know, anything's funny. But to do that and then to come back with something that's got all these actors in it and shit, what are y'all doing? (laughs) What are you doing? Yeah. The only people who should be getting paid is the orchestra, you know, for the symphony and shit. I agree. You know, that's it. Like just musicians. And the animators. Yeah, the animators and the musicians and the editor. That's it. 
We don't need Michael. Pe- I'm sorry, Michael Payne. We don't need you, fam. We really don't. <laughs> Michael Kane. M- Michael Kane. <laughs> Michael Kane. Oh my gosh, my guy, Mike. Michael Kane. That's my man's right there. He always turns out to be. I don't know why we fall for it every time. I don't know. He has this effect. We look at him. He's a harmless old man. No, he's the greatest dirtbag of all of the characters in this movie. And that's what you find out every single time. You're like, oh, he was grimy. Except for when he played Alfred. Alfred was the shit. Yeah. How do you get that job? I think the movie that Super Butler. Alfred? Yeah. (laughs) He just fell into that. I don't know. It seems nice, you know? It seems like a nice life. What do you have to do to become... A um, a magnate, yeah, I guess that's the proper terminology. The Wayne magnate. How do you become Like, what are the keywords you need to use on LinkedIn to get that job? Yeah, what keywords? Because it's got to be levels to this butler shit, right? Because I think at the lower yeah. rung, it'll be housekeeper, someone who works at sure. a, you know, a Marisuite or a Hampton Inn. A La Quinta right. Inn. But then you got Alfred helping the motherfucker in the cave. He called the back cave, draw up some plays. You got to work your way up. Yeah. To fuck up. You got to start at the bottom. To you got to learn. Superman. He's helping Batman fuck up Superman now. <laughs> like started from the You're bottom. definitely not the lady who. You're definitely not working at the hotel cecil like that one blonde lady that's uh on that new documentary you know she's not gonna be a high-end housekeeper anytime soon the hotel fucking cecil (laughs) my life is the weirdest i swear to y'all listeners i don't know if y'all seen this netflix shit it's called something crime murdery you know it's a murder humanity it's a murder humanity and uh it's about just this house of a thousand corpses type joint, but a hotel style in Los Angeles, California, downtown. Long story short, I get in the fight, Sun Valley, California, my 26th day living in L.A., Sun Valley, not quite L.A. I didn't know this. Got in the fight, got stabbed three times, went back to this giant, you know, sober living kind of house that I ended up living in, not knowing it was that. You got like 25 bunk beds in there. What a crazy you know, situation. Anyway, get stabbed a few times, go back to the base, call my dad. He's like, yo, you need to get out of there. Because, you know, they might be on some gang shit. I was like, oh, okay. So I stayed with a friend for a few days. <laughs> Shout out to her. Shout out to Sam looking out for me. And then uh, from there, I ended up downtown at the least expensive place I could think of. And I did my research, listeners. Jessica did my due diligence, y'all. Monkey D. Trevanti, he books the Hotel Cecil. Stay on Main. And that was the Hotel Cecil changing and shape-shifting its devil form into something that I would think wasn't the demon or the devil itself, being the building itself, being the Hotel Cecil. And Trevanti... It's something that seems acceptable, but is not. <laughs> yeah. They decide, we're going to paint the left side of it orange in some places and put hands there and weird shit and, you know, bunk beds and market it toward, you know, the children. 
We're going to market it toward travelers, wayward travelers, lost, lonely souls who are exploring and expanding their minds and, you know, growing in their spirituality as they, you know, they travel the world to find themselves, not knowing that it was within all along. That was where the answer lied. Nope. Travanti's walking in to a, a la- scorpion's lair, a lair of serial murderers. The Night Stalker himself, Richard Ramirez, they said in, in the fucking documentary, this is where Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker of 1985 and other years, <laughs> but I don't know which ones, where he will let his hair down. Why you got to say it like that? Oh, like, this place is so nutty that he goes here to chill. <laughs> this is chill to him because everyone else is nuttier, like possibly. He right at home. He felt right at home here. This is where, look, someone attempted to take my life and I went to get the fuck away from all of that, people with that energy, to maybe get a reset, some time to heal because I got jibber-jabbed a few times, so I have to heal up. So I was laying low. That was the place I decided to lay low at, y'all. The subject of Little this did you know. documentary, <laughs> murder documentary, a crime doc, on a place that's doomed to have nothing but murder. And her ten year Jessica, you know this number, right? That lady who was the GM of the place for ten years, a decade. For those who are uninitiated, that's a decade. That's a long time. She yeah, caught a body on day mind. one. There was a dead no body way. on day if one. If I caught a body on day one of a job, maybe this I is would not for me. Out I don't think this is for me. This is a sign. Gotta follow my heart. I've left a job in one day for much less. <laughs> Ugh. She was there for 10 years. So there's a primal crazy psycho part of her that was into that. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? That was into oh, yeah. that. Possibly, like, think about some people's fantasies. They go left field like that sometimes. You know what I mean? People like to be tied up and shit, hit, tortured a little bit. It's true. It's true. Like the masochist mm. and then the sadomasochist. Yeah. There's a thing, and it's a thing. So she could be one of them. Like, she would tell these stories, like, and you know what, though? You know how anytime that a show or movie would make their version of that old story about Transylvania, and the person who would answer the door to the haunted mansion or the haunted house was somebody who was definitely a part of that whole environment character, they were as weird as the stories. They were as weird as the yeah. folklore, as weird as the house that's haunted. They were weird, too. Mm-hmm. You know, like like Igor. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of her. Yeah. She was the Igor of the Hotel Cecil. It makes sense. Someone's got to be a little demented because she had to know. She, like, she wasn't, this is her first foray into running business from this side of things, but she had to have been made aware of that place's history since 1924. Right. And like, how hard up are you? I mean, I understand like being in a job that you hate and not really having like a whole lot of options. So you like stick it out. Surely like you see a dead body on your first day. I mean, I feel like a normal person would be like, you know what? I think I'm good. I think I can find a different job. I think it's possible. You know, yeah. it's Los Angeles. There's gotta be tons of jobs out there. All you need is a cell phone and you got a job. You don't need, like, you ain't got to be good at shit. 
you can deliver Postmates terribly and right. make a living. You know what I'm saying? Like you can do a terrible job. Cold meals delivered all over the globe. But you can do it. You can get paid to do it. You know? Right. So you don't have I, to I be quit the a GM. Korean <laughs> I quit this Korean barbecue that I was going to go wait tables in. One day I went in there to train on my first day and they were like showing me the ropes. And they're like, okay, so, you know, people cook the food on their grills on the table. So occasionally... You're going to have to change out their grill because the grill gets kind of like junked up with like food debris. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay. And so they have these big old metal tongs. You basically grab the hot grill off the table, replace it with a new clean grill for them. And I'm like, so I have to do this while people are sitting at the table. And they're like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, no, I think I'm good. Like I know me, I'm clumsy as fuck. And I would probably drop a hot fucking grill on someone's lap and ruin their life. And that's not what I need. <laughs> it's not what I need. <laughs> well, not to mention. So, like, you know what? This is great. You know, uh, but there's an obvious. They want me to drape a grill, a flaming, hot, burning, broiling grill <laughs> over someone's crotch. You want me to just dangle a grill I, over someone's lap? And you know what? I love Korean barbecue and I respect everyone who has the bravery to work that job. But I just know it's not for me because I would really injure someone. I just know it because I drop things all the time. This has got to be another, <laughs> another orientation, like another way you could another better position to put the grill in. Just put it off to the side like an ashtray, you know, in the old ass airplane. You know how they got the ashtray on the armrest just over there? Just do the same kind of thing. Just yeah. put it a little off to the side. You don't have to put it in the middle of the conversation. Gyukaku's the same exactly. way. Gyukaku's like that. Yeah. I Like, I dig it, but I can understand now because I never thought about that. Like, that poor server was probably like, man, I hope I don't drop this shit on his knuckles. I hope I don't drop this shit on his lap. <laughs> oh, I really like their conversation. Like they're really into what they're talking about. I could really fuck that conversation up dramatically. I could fuck this whole night up. That's the problem. Is it has to be in the middle of the table because that? How else? I mean, not everybody will have access to. I know it's got to be in the center. It's got to be in the center of things, huh? So that's the thing. There's no way around. <laughs> Man, and I miss Gyukaku. Their happy hours fire. Isn't that, isn't Gyukaku nice? That was one of the first restaurants yeah. I had ever eaten in, being in Los Angeles, actually. An ex, so good. An ex-girlfriend who's a bougie ex-girlfriend. Shout out to Nia. <laughs> she, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was the first place I, I went and I was taken, I want to say, is that bougie-ness. My first yeah. time in LA was to Gyukaku. <laughs> So okay, that was my it's really not that it's wet for the happy hour. It was like so cheap. We and I'm like a sushi. Jazz music playing. Yes. Like, and I raw fish and sushi my whole life. It wouldn't give me mercury poisoning. So when I found Gyokaku's happy hour, I was like, holy crap, I can eat my face off for $20. <laughs> look fancy as hell. And get I a picture of beer. I got a grill right here. Give me a picture of Miller Lite. Right here, and I got s'mores. We're making s'mores after this. <laughs> oh, I'm super excited about this. I'm not oh. sure if your accent was even that thick when you got here from Nashville. Probably mm. not. 
I don't think I had an accent ever. You because you were raised in the fancy zone. Fancy well, no, people well, have a fancy dialect instead. It's a wasn't clear. really that though. <laughs> <laughs> I think I picked up a southern accent when I was like really little because in my preschool, one of my teachers had a really thick southern accent, and I mm. pick up accents pretty quickly when I am exposed to them for long periods of time when I like hear them. And so I came home and I'd have this accent and my mom is actually what they like to call a damn Yankee. Uh, Cause she's from South Florida. So hmm. <laughs> at least that's what my grandfather used to call her all the time, but uh, she didn't have an accent and she was like, no, my kid's not going to have a Southern accent. This is not how we speak. So she kind of beat it out of me as a small child. Mm, she beat the consonants into you. She did. Yeah, no, you're using all of your plosives. You understand? You hear that D at the end of stand? Duh. I need to hear it. I need to hear it every time. Well, you know, some people tell me that I do have a Southern accent still, and I really cannot hear it. I don't know what they're talking about, but you know what? Whatever. <laughs> yeah, who gives a shit? Like when you, I do the audio things that I do, so I always hear, here's a train listenership. I am by a train track but it's it adds to this uh this podcast character and appeal i just hear so many reproductions of things i've said now you know what i'm saying like if you're an actor or if you do a podcast like you and you listen to some of it back you know mm-hmm. just to see how you're doing or if you're talking over somebody or talking right through their shit <laughs> you know because you're always looking at ways to get better and that goes back to what i was asking you about certain mentalities and mindsets that carry over from sport to what you kind of fashion into a sport so that you can properly apply your competitive energies. It's like, yeah, this is a different arena, but I can still come up. I can still play. I'm still, yeah. I'm still going to hold a, or have a critical eye when it comes to my technique, my execution. Um, you know, for instance, like for me, my breathing, you know what I'm saying? Well, I wasn't breathing right there. You can tell, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, no, nah, just relax, let it flow, let it fly. But don't that like you don't have, you know, unlimited fucking energy or oxygen. Just breathe. Right. It's okay. Have a regular talk. <laughs> have a regular conversation. The mic's not going anywhere. It's not looking at its watch. You know what I mean? But you, you know, you, um, you learn that shit over time. Yeah. You know, well, it's always a learning thing, learning curve, I guess. Uh, especially like, you know, doing something like a podcast or for me, I have a blog and a YouTube channel and Instagram and all that jazz. I mean, you're always like trying to educate yourself and learn how to do things better and try to make what you do even more interesting and appeal to more people. So yeah, I mean, I definitely think that was for sure something that I learned a lot in skating and also kind of in school in a way, because I always had to like, keep up with you know the aces because if i didn't i didn't get to go skating Mm. uh so it was just like having that like i guess in both realms having that sort of motivation to always like take the initiative and like study and learn on my own get better be better i was kind of the same way because all i had to know was that there was one person that was better than me Oh, yeah. And that was all that I needed. That like that was the only carrot I needed to get me to work out like a psycho, run like a psycho. I would train for the training, training. Like after football practice, 
and after track practice. So after track practice, I would go to football practice or vice versa. Then after that, I would train on my own because I would be doing research on this. You know, I could probably make some improvements or enhancements to my, you know, speed in football or um, in- increase my top speed or my shuttle speed, my lateral speed, whatever it's going to be, or my cardio or my endurance or my explosiveness. A lot of that stuff was natural, but a lot of that stuff just came through sheer tenacity and hard work, knowing that the difference between someone who's good and someone who's great at something is that minor difference. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I went Absolutely. the extra mile. I um, Instead of stopping when coach said stop, I kept going, and I started running the bleachers. Like, they would be done and going home and shit, making plans to get together later, and I'm running the bleachers for, like, another half hour. Then I'm in the gym for another 20 minutes doing a couple of other exercises. Coach ain't even thought of. It doesn't matter. He's got his stuff, and then I'm going to add my stuff on top of all of the other stuff. So that I could at least be, because, right, Mm -hmm. I figured what I might have lacked naturally that the person who was better than me in the sport I love, um, like what he has naturally, I'm going to have to just get another kind of way. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, and so I was like, I have to rely on just hard work. Even though there was a lot of naturalness to me, but then there's levels to that. Like this person, it's on just another level. And I was honest enough with myself to realize that early on. And I had incredibly honest parents, my dad especially. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, he's better. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It comes easy to him. Yeah. You got to work a little harder. But I appreciated that. Yeah. You know, like it hurt mm-hmm. like a motherfucker in a moment, a little bit. But when you're used to your parents being that way from day one, it's kind of the way you're used to being um, inspired. You know, yeah. and just like you, I guess you kind of learn to take that a different way. Like they clearly don't mean to hurt you. You know what I'm saying? It's like, look, you know what I'm saying? Right, right. You know. But they don't want you to be like disillusioned either, you know. Right. Exactly. Like it like this isn't impossible, Vanti, but it's gonna require a little bit more of you than it might require of him. He can just do it and you gotta add a little a few a few additional weapons and you gotta change your mindset. Can you imagine being a kid like because I know like when we were you know, that age and we were in sports, like you either won, well, for you, like you either won the game or you lost the game. And for mm-hmm. me, it's like, you either get on the podium or you don't get on the podium. And like, if you're on the podium, you get a medal. If you didn't get on the podium, you get no medal. And now I just feel like, I mean, I hear these stories. I don't have kids, so I don't like experience this firsthand, but I hear stories now, like kids in sports and like, they just all get like a trophy basically just for trying and it's just so wild to me how do you feel about that as a competitor who especially in a singular sport where it was your performance and your performance alone that made the difference between whether you were a champion or not and i know that you were elite so how how do you feel about that that drives me fucking nuts i i mean i honestly feel like and i'm gonna learn how to lose like that's some people maybe disagree but i feel like it's a complete disservice to kids when they're growing up and they're developing and they're learning about like what it means to be a competitor or to work hard for something like Mm -hmm. if there's no like i don't know if everybody sort of i guess quote unquote wins in the end it's like well then what what are you working for you know like i don't know that's just kind of how i feel about it 
I just, I don't know. I feel like maybe it's like we're trying not to like hurt kids' feelings, but sometimes you gotta have your feelings hurt to like push you to do do better, you know? That's not how life goes. Yeah. It's you not how life goes. In life. Yeah, like we get shat on every day. And you can get shot on even more than that if you allow yourself to do that because the world can just seep in through your windows and shit if you don't have them sealed. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. sometimes shit finds you. But if you're in a good position. I wonder how that's going to translate. Like mm-hmm. when they get older and start trying to like apply for jobs or like, you know what I mean? Like it's kind of like if you've been accustomed to this kind of, uh, I don't know, behavior before and then when you're in an adult life and you're sort of doing the equivalent as an adult, but then it's like, a, I mean, it must be a rude awakening. I feel like, cause at least for us, like when we were younger, like we already grew up with this sort of thing that prepared us mm. to deal with rejection or, uh, you know, not quite making the mark, you know, when we were kids and then you kind of learn, okay, maybe it was because I didn't do this or that. And now I got to try harder to be better at those things. So that the next time I can win. Because you're not going to automatically, to your point, you made a great point right there. You're not going to automatically, when you become an adult, become a savage. You're not going to automatically grow the thick skin. You should have been developing since you were fucking four years old, like me. You know what I'm saying? So I thank my parents so much because I use, you know, I didn't see eye to eye with pops, you know, for a long time. Like I I essentially became a grown ass man. (laughs) And then it was like, oh, dad, now I understand. When I started becoming a person who was around the age that he was when he had to deal with me and mm. all my issues as a, you know, an angsty this and an angsty that, you know, as, a, as an adolescent coming into myself. Right. And just beginning that journey, by the way, and him having already had that. So he can meet me on that level and then go, hey, son, there are levels to this. The same way I'm learning in Kung Fu now. Right. You know, having that kind of keen or critical eyes. Sometimes you just have to have that level of experience just in life and just in living to circle mm-hmm. back around and go, Oh, and there were even moments when like your parents were like, you might not understand this now, but wait until you get older. Wait until you get my age. You'll go back and go, Oh, okay, dad. All right, ma. I understand now. Because you, you like, you got to get there first, you know? We like we weren't born with all of those experiences pre-installed. We had to approach them in our time and in due time. And when they came, people like you and I, who came from some adversity, even from our own parents, like they're like they were putting us through a simulation of what life could become, and what life right. will in, inevitably become. And it was all about how you responded to that life when it arrived, how you dealt with that. And I think the people with parents that are tougher on them shelter them a little more and this and that or expose them to the real as well like gave them some real shit some real spill they're better prepared for life like when times like these hit you you respond to it a little bit differently because your parents you carry around with them wherever you go Mm. you hear echoes in your mind of your mom's voice and your dad's voice here and there random moments and you'll laugh but every moment of your life their lessons permeate everything that you do they don't control you, but they definitely influence you, right? Sure. No matter on what side they influence you, but they do push you in a direction, you know, really? even if it's the opposite, you know, like when it comes, uh, I don't believe in that. Not so I act accordingly. So it's interesting. Yeah. 
Really interesting. What have you been doing to keep your mind together? Keep my mind right. Honestly, I'm going to be really honest. My mind has not been super right for a lot of the coronavirus time. Like I have been, but you know, the last like couple months or whatever, I've just been changed my or shift my perspective a little bit and my mindset and doing some sort of journaling exercises, trying to, you know, combat the, uh, my inner demons had them my whole life, like this sort of like self doubt, self, uh, I don't know, self-deprecating type of inner voice that like, sometimes I let be a little bit louder sometimes than other times, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm really focusing on that right now. I'm just trying to like every day, like make a conscious effort to shift my thoughts when those things start to creep in. Mm. Do you do, you know so you've gotten back into training competitively, but this is for yourself. Like this isn't for the sport itself, but it's just like, you know, this is what I've always done to stay in shape and get in shape. And so why yeah. not I get, you know, just uh, get back into my bag now. You do anything as far as like juicing or anything like that? Maybe some lion's mane for more focus and mental clarity. Do you have any other things like maca maca root? Do face You're speaking shams? a different language to me right now. Am I? You know, yeah. Uh, I have a juicer, full disclosure. I really love it, but I never freaking use it because it is such a bitch to clean up afterwards. Yo, like, 119% you know of the people that, that I mentioned juicing to skip right to that part. The cleanup. I'm like, you lazy bums. Get out of here. I'm talking but about your here's life. The thing. It's not lazy because like I have other things to do with my time. Well, shit. That, it don't take that much time to do when you oh make my. a habit of it, Jessica. Oh my God. I just I just don't do it. So I just buy green juice. I know it's not oh, as good for you. Jeez. I mean, it's still got some some uh some minerals in that shit. Some I know it's better when you do it straight up fresh stuff but none of these niggas sponsor us by the way listenership but do you do bull house or do you do <laughs> i buy suja suja oh s u j a yeah like thin the, thin typeface font yeah the uber no the mighty greens is my favorite one because mm. it's got apple like it has an apple and a lemon in it which helps it taste good yeah. but it doesn't have to push too much fruit in it to make it too sugary you know what i mean mm-hmm. i need like either an apple or a carrot in there to like sort of help me stomach it i haven't had an ice an acai an ice an acai bowl acai oh my acai bowl i made today in a minute that looks so damn good it was good i haven't had that in a minute i saw that and it was very picturesque shout out to your phone very good nice photograph <laughs> you're quite you're quite the photographer that Thank shit was you, amazing honey. looking and it was nicely arranged. Did you make that yourself or did you uh get that shit from like Uber Tuba Gooba? Oh no, I made it myself. So I like went to Trader Joe's the other day and I saw that they have as- uh, sugar free or I guess unsweetened acai frozen oh, packet. Okay, unsweetened. And it's so inexpensive because like normally when I would see there's like a brand, it's called Samazon or something like that. Samsung, Amazon. Yeah, I've had that shit before. That's like the brand that makes these like frozen acai packets normally. And it's really, they're really pricey. And so I don't usually buy them because I'm like trying to be, you know, on a budget over here. But I saw them at Trader Joe's. They have their own version now. It's like nothing. So I was like, yeah, sweet. I'm going to make acai bowls. So yeah, I just pop one of those in my blender, get some frozen berries that I have in my freezer. I also keep like a bag of like 
frozen chunks of banana to put in smoothies too. And then put some protein powder in there and some almond milk, but not too much because that's the whole thing. You got to like keep the consistency kind of thick to make it a bowl. Instead of SI soup. Yeah, exactly. And then you just blend it all up, put some collagen in that, put some spinach. Collagen. Yeah. I have a story about that listenership. People around (laughs) the world, the globe. Trevanti made a mistake. Oh, no. Trevanti fucked with his hormones when he... So there's this stuff called uh, bone broth. I don't yeah. know why I bought into the hype. That's, I'm going to leave that to the ladies. <laughs> a lot of people bought into that hype, I feel like. I got some of that shit, and that shit have me with sensitive titties. <laughs> Jessica, you're learning this today. As Wait, we, what? Bone broth did this to you? It's got the collagen in it. Oh, shit. It, yeah, yeah, it was collagen. It was collagen. It was from, I can't remember the brand. Them niggas don't sponsor me either. Um, but anyways, I wouldn't do well with that sponsorship. I thought collagen is supposed to be just like good for people in general. I didn't realize it was maybe not good for the dudes. It's mad estrogen in that. Or or oh, just, okay. yeah, um, like it's hormone stuff. Like it really affects your hormones. And so I, I've never, to my recollection, have had my hormones thrown it out and whack in any other kind of way like I got mad testosterone like given all the bro shit I do and I've done in my life you know what I'm saying so that right. drives a lot of me I'm sure you know what I'm saying and I channel it in various avenues right. you see what I'm saying that. right so like uh, you know I stopped playing football but that energy had to go somewhere <laughs> so I do all kind of random shit now I was trying it and then I was like immediately it was too coincidental with timing i'm like i've never had this feel before and i saw on some of the packaging like yeah estrogen it you know it can have high levels of this and do 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 with your hormones and i was like i didn't think that i could have my hormones affected i don't know what kind of ego it takes to think that you can have your hormones affected by what you eat but i did and i had these sensitive breastuses (laughs) sensitive to the touch and swollen Oh no. Yes, around the nipply region. So how long did it take for you to go back to normal after doing that? As soon as I stopped putting that shit in my body, my titties went down. Oh wow. That was fast. Yes. Also embarrassing. (laughs) I don't know why, listenership, I would be embarrassed, but uh yeah, I was sensitive. I've always heard that like soy, like having too much soy is not good for men because also the estrogen thing. Yeah. But I didn't know about collagen. I've just been into it because they're like marketing it as like, oh, it's good for your skin and it's good for your hair and blah, blah, blah. Water's dope for your skin and good for your hair. Niggas forget about that. (laughs) Hey, the last thing adults want to do is drink water. Ain't that weird? When you get older, you want to drink nothing but things that don't remind you of water. Because you had to drink (laughs) water as a kid because mom and dad made you to keep you alive. You see what I'm saying? (laughs) We'd rather Hawaiian punch. We'd rather drink them hug things where you take your buck teeth and you punch holes in the top. Try not to cut your mouth on the aluminum. That's Capri poor people's shit. I'm not sure if you can even relate. <laughs> but, but, you yeah. know, Capri Suns. You can relate to that, I'm sure. Yeah. All right. You love know, me so, a Capri yeah, Sun. Yeah, love me a fucking Capri Sun. <laughs> you know what I mean? Juice Don't box. love it when the straw doesn't puncture the thing and then it breaks in half, though. That's the worst. Yo, that's what's whack about them fucking Capri Sun pouches. Like, sometimes... You know, that Sometimes fucking, they don't want to be pierced. You know, the fucking barrier was all extra tough. Two, <laughs> the two ply barrier. Like this bitch ass uh, 
one ply straw ain't about to penetrate the two ply barrier you built. How the fuck am I about to uh, open this? You know what I'm saying? I, I'm not about to squeeze this like the incrackable crunk. You know, like I'm Stone Cold Steve Austin. Smash that shit against my head and drink it. Shotgun it. So give me a, a, a doper straw or decrease the power level of your fucking pouch. Trying to get to the juice. And it's the same bag, but aluminum that, you know, they hold up for you. Like, that's how you get the IVs and shit when you're dehydrated. It's the same kind of design. Just no Yeah, yeah. Let's do it like that. Man, I used to have neighbors that were nurses. Mm -hmm. And anytime I didn't feel very good or if I had a really bad hangover, I could just walk over their place and they had like IV, like, you know, like saline bags or whatever that they give you for like when you're dehydrated. Just go over there and they'd be like, all right, cool. You want a saline trip? 30 minutes later, new fucking person. And you know, there's these companies that do this where you, they can come to you and basically do this for you if you have a hangover and it costs upwards of like $200. Dave Chappelle and uh, Rogan do that shit. I think Rogan got put onto that fancy rich nigga shit from Dave Chappelle because that's what he be doing. So he'll do like the Tacoma Dome, 40,000 fucking fans screaming for him last year. And they were on like the private jet and then like Chappelle ordered like these motherfuckers to show up with their uh, liquid IV system and just juice them up with all of the shit that the human body needs to be optimal. Yeah. Yeah. Is that what you talk like about? Potassium and like electrolytes yep. and, you know, basically it just really like hydrates you very quickly. Mm -hmm. Like the basic thing they give you in the hospital when, you know, you're, I don't know. I haven't been in the hospital that many times in my life, so I don't even know what I'm talking about, but. None of, uh, us, none of us do you know what i'm saying like they they give you this is like no like specific type of medicine it's just like kind of a general thing that they give you to rehydrate your body yep Th there was and um i think they works. put me on that shit i had strep throat one time in my life and i'll never forget it because that was the worst thing i've ever had happen uh well well <sighs> i just told you all fuckers i got stabbed three times when you got the whole time. cecil also, a murderer's murder lair known throughout all time in history since 1924. Aside from that, this was still the worst shit to me. I felt yeah. more of a threat to my life uh, not being able to swallow anything. Mm. To be honest with you, like the stabs, I was like, oh, that wasn't so bad. It sucks. I got to heal. That wasn't so bad. That was nuts, but it wasn't so bad. I imagine it being worse. Because most people in movies don't walk away from that shit. Yeah. So I was like, cool, 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 cool. Worst fear out of the way. Okay. Aside from like, I don't know, being in a shark tank or something. But it's not my <laughs> worst fear because I dwell in reality. And in reality, yeah. Travanti couldn't find himself in a situation to where he can get headbutted by a hammerhead shark. <laughs> I don't do that type, you know, type of shit. So here we are. Yeah. This yeah. is what's crazy to me. <laughs> but yeah, strep throat, I think takes, it takes the cake. I was like, this is what y'all go through every year? Because I know certain family, like you knew certain kids in school every, like the same time of the year. They were out because of the flu. They were out because of bronchitis. They were out because of this. They were out because of that. I was at, I was at school for everything. Me and Chuck were in school for all of, all of the reasons. We were yeah. there all of the time. With whatever ailment we had, and we rarely did, so that was a thing too. We always had perfect attendance. 
Yeah, I'm gonna knock on wood right now because like I don't really get sick very often. Yeah, I don't, and I don't even know. I think I have had strep throat before, but I don't think it was as bad as maybe what you're describing happened to you because mm. I definitely wasn't having this situation where I couldn't swallow anything. I do know I got it like right before I moved to LA when I was like 19. And because I had scarlet fever when I was a baby. What? That's from the yeah. Oregon Trail. You get an Oregon Trail ailment? Exactly. So I had scarlet fever when I was a baby. So it's like scarlet fever stays dormant in your body if you ever have had it. And if I ever get the strep throat, vi- is it a virus? It's a virus, right? Shit. I don't even know. It's bullshit. I know that. But if I ever get strep throat, it basically activates the scarlet fever that's in my body already. And I will get scarlet fever. So I got, I had scarlet fever when I moved to LA like 13 years ago because I had had struck throat right before that. And I was like, <laughs> nope, still got to pack up my U-Haul and get out of this bitch anyway. <laughs> how are you getting Oregon Trail ailments though? We got to circle back around to how in the fuck in this era, this epoch of our existence as human beings, you still getting scarlet fever out here and hay fever the Spanish flu. What else are you getting? Are you getting cholera and, and typhoid? Oh, like my mom's like kind of one of those people who doesn't like vaccines. So oh damn, dumb. you yeah. so you getting all this shit? I've been in, inoculated with every time <laughs> I go to the doctor when I well used to like when I was a kid. I mean, I've you got, know got it. I've got that now, you get. Yeah, I don't uh, know. No, you don't because your mom never did that shit to you. We used to get random shots. We didn't do the flu shot ever. But no, we damn sure the got the tuberculosis shot, the TB shots. You know what I'm saying? No, see, I've had like, okay, so I've had like the normal shots that they had us get when we were kids, right? Okay, like in case you swallow a rusty screwdriver. Yeah, TB and like, what is it, polio? Or no, people don't have to have polio now because it's eradicated. But, you know, all the things that they make you have when you're like a 19, late 80s, early 90s child. You know what I'm saying? Like that era. Mm-hmm. Then because I went to like private school, like, I guess the private school didn't make us get these shots. So then I find myself at UCLA when I'm like the ripe age of 25 and they ask for my immunization records. Oh no! And so I hand them over and they're like, oh, well, you're missing a couple things, blah, blah, blah. And we need to take your blood because we need to make sure that you have immunity to chicken pox. And I'm like, I had chicken pox when I was a baby. I think I have immunity to it. And they're like, we still got to check. And so they wanted to give me this one shot that I didn't have. And I like, don't like needles. And I was like, do I have to get it? And they're like, yes. And I was like, what if I don't get it? And they're like, you will not be able to register for classes in the spring. And I was like, all right, shoot me up, you know, (laughs) fire away. But imagine being a person that also gets that presented to them. And they're like, you know what? I don't trust this shot. I'm not going to graduate from UCLA. Goodbye. Like, <laughs> Jeez, but, but damn, what a conundrum. I know. Because think about what you're asking me to do to myself. No, 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 no. Actually, no. Think about what you're asking me to allow you, a person I don't know or fuck with, to do to me. Right. To me. I have to deal with what it is that you're asking me to let you do to me as well. Right. And we haven't lived long enough and, and we don't know any moment into the future as to what the ramifications and the consequences of us putting this hypothetically successful, yeah, hypothetically successful vaccine into your body at this current stage in its development, by the way, the development right. cycle, 
you ask, it's a pretty big, it's a pretty big ask. And this has been like the last two years. It's it's about to be, you know, in about six months. All of these things have been pretty big asks. I'm not saying that some of these things haven't been necessary, but it's still a big ask. Not like just nonetheless, when right. you've been used to living your whole life a certain way. Mm. Do you like think about how how much a part of your just being your behaviors are? Oh, yeah. You're not thinking about what you're doing at all. So a lot of people don't have that kind of level of awareness. You know, a lot of us aren't hardcore athletes or, you know, martial artists or anything like that. That requires incredible degrees like a gymnast of uh, concentration, per se, because you can really barely get by doing mediocre things. This place is run by people doing really mediocre shit. You know? Not a lot's required, like not a lot's required, right? Of unskilled laborers, no, like no diss to them, but they understand this as well. They know that much. They got common sense, some of them, which ain't so common nowadays. But come on, we're not asking a whole lot from you. Figure skater, it's a pretty specific set of skills. Liam Neeson, what he said he's gonna do to a motherfucker if they they don't give him his fucking <laughs> daughter back. He's got a specific. He said it himself. Listen, yeah. shit. He's got a specific set of skills. A set of badass skills. Yo, I just wonder why not, like nothing he does sticks. Every time he gets that bitch back, they take her back again. I know. It's New place. I'm not kicking it with my dad. I think they after him. I don't know why they keep grabbing me. They clearly don't want me. They give me back. <laughs> and they were like, no take backsies. I know. I feel like that's one example of like a franchise that shouldn't have been. Like the first Taken was so good. They could have just let it, let it be, but it just became so ridiculous with like the sequels. Weren't there like two sequels, right? You or was there what? only one? Uh, you know what? I think there was a third movie, but it had nothing to do with Taken. Oh, shit. It might have been three. It had to be more than one. No, I'm sorry. More, more, like more than two for me to make a joke about it. I was like... How like in how many different ways like I know that there's one of the sequels the the wife gets taken oh shit but I feel like there is another one where the daughter gets taken again let me see hold on let me look this up hang on listenership uh maybe I'm wrong but I just feel like totally wrong I'm like really just lightning strike twice like that in the same place like that's just insanity when there's a check involved and it's fat as hell yes. They, we, we, uh, we'll make lightning strike in the same place. I I can animate lightning. Let me wait a second. All right, so uh, this is what. Well, this is his name, by the way, William John Neeson Obe. Obe. I can't possibly imagine. Okay, we have Schindler's List. Okay, that's dope. I mean, that's not dope. Nothing dope. Nothing dope about the circumstances surrounding it. But it was a good movie. It was also sad. And he did a fantastic job as Oscar. So there's Taken. There's Unknown. Probably where the fuck her whereabouts are. So maybe that was like a prequel. The movie. No, this came out in 2011. Honest Thief. Uh, That's what we're doing out here. So this is in 2020. This is him on the cover of it holding a gun. Aggressively looking at something afar. Probably (laughs) an assailant. Nonstop. He's holding a gun and he's looking off into the distance listenership. 
and looking at probably some target or assailant. Cold Pursuit. He is not holding a gun, but he's in the cold somewhere. The Gray. That's what the Cold Pursuit reminds me of. The Gray. The Gray, yeah. Remember that one where he was surviving wolf attacks for two hours with the other actors? And that was about it. So that happened. Yeah, nothing really happened in that one except for just mad survivals. He just didn't die. That was the gray, 2011. He was busy, too. And then it's taken two. There's the commuter. being just typecast as just like a total badass. There's the commuter in 2018, which is what looks like from the cover. This is fun, trying to guess what a whole movie is about just by the cover alone. Um, So this (laughs) is the commuter, I'm going to think, or venture to say, is a movie about Liam Neeson with a gun by a train. That takes you places because that's what commuters see. That's the title. It's in the title, y'all. What do you think it's about, Jessica? Again, The Commuter, uh, 2018, Liam Neeson. Knowing that it's Liam Neeson. Standing by train. He's looking at you like you could be next should you misbehave and do bad things. And then he has a gun in his hand. He's he's wearing a suit. He's an assassin who takes out people who commute on the Amtrak. Yo, so he's a serial killer now? That means something totally different. Now I kind of want to see this. He might that need it. And he's wearing a suit, so he must mean business? Exactly. That's why I'm saying he's an assassin. Oh, an assassin. But he's wearing like a charcoal gray to like light blue kind of... Assassins wear dark shit though, right? Yeah, I would think this, so. This looks kind of like a sport blend. coat. They don't wear... Sp- assassins, do they wear sport coats? No, they want to. They don't want to stand out. You don't want to stand out. You kind of want to wear like a, uh, not a ninja but just something kind of nondescript, right? Yeah. You know, like hooded, random hooded assailant guy. You see in all kind of blurry VGA quality uh, footage of like, you know, like the footage you saw in the hotel seats. No, that was pretty good uh, video, to be honest with you. But usually the footage at like a Quickie Mart is fucking terrible. Grain, like grainy as fuck, a lot of gain. What else? The marksman. Oh shit! There is a taken three. Found it. Hey, so I'm not crazy. You're not fucking crazy. Guess how long ago? Guess how under a fucking rock I've been in L.A. This happened in 2014. Maybe that's when I started flying them, flinging them jokes I think it out was there. Recently, right? Hmm. Wasn't it like maybe was it like three years ago, two years ago? I don't feel like it was that long ago. 2014. So that was long ago. Oh. Yeah. It was long ago. That was a long time ago. Yeah. And then he just... Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. He just keep, he's just keeping busy. He's, he's You know, he's been through a lot. Oh, yeah. You know, he's an on-edge guy. You, you, like, you know what's crazier about his image, though? Like, him holding a gun and everything? Is that he was, like, wanting to hunt down whoever took advantage of a friend of his, like a female friend of his. Like, like, did you hear about that? A long time ago. Like, maybe a oh. year or two ago. Oh, yeah, he did, didn't yeah. he? Like, in real life. In real life. Like, he was trying to, I have a specific set of skills, uh, and I will find you, I will hunt you down. Do you think it was like, <laughs> do you think that he's actually, like, a badass, or do you think his like acting and like roles like that for so long has like made him believe that he could be this person yo 
actors, understand you can get your ass whooped out there in real life. I'm not saying that Liam, it's a possibility. I don't know if he's a method actor or not, but if he is, maybe it kind of permeated. It kind of had an inverse kind of effect. It kind of blew back. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, I'm a chemist. Well, I'm also near fire often, and I can burn myself to death in the name of science. <laughs> That's a risk. So as an actor, you could possibly lose your mind. Or you do the same thing enough, you can't tell the difference between one of your characters, which is always the same fucking character, and you, because you spend so much time year to year, year by year, every year. Right. It's a movie like that. And the poster's the same. He's pointing the gun in a new direction. It's um, it's plot driven. It's not character driven. But he's the same kind. So he's kind of a caricature of himself at this point. He's so famous for doing this specific thing. Although I will say he was uh he was not Poseidon. He was King Neptune or something and something. Let me open up his IMDb listenership just to be fair to Liam Neeson. I really enjoyed he's done a lot of different things. Because he just went from, you know, Oscar Schindler, not suddenly, because he did that in 93. He's, yeah. but all of the 2000s, not all of them, but. He was in an older teens. version of Les Miserables. Okay. Like, not the one that came out with, like, that was a musical, but they did a version of it, like, I want to say in the early 2000s, and, like, Claire Danes was in it. Mm-hmm. And he was really good in that. That was like my first exposure to Liam Neeson. And then, you know, all of his badass movies. So like, mm. I first watched him in like more of a dramatic role. And then that's how I kind of associated him. And then that association is gone now because now I just think of him as the guy who takes And all the other movies that are similar to that. Isn't that crazy? All the work that he's done though. Yeah. that he's done like with his art like he he was even in a christmas star and he's in like shit like that he's in tattoo as a customer probably just a cameo shot right there um he was an entourage playing leo neeson of course um he was a family guy playing leo uh, neeson of course he's been in all kinds of things but he's known for people zoomed in on just kind of a um a certain creative rhythm he hit that wasn't so creative Right. You see what I'm saying? Like he just those are where the bags were. He didn't get paid shit to do uh Schindler's list. He did, but he didn't compared to what he's probably getting paid to do this sure. basic shit. Yeah. For all the basic bitches around the world. You know what I'm saying? Because these well, are international box are offices. Sells, like that's what it's like, sell internationally. Exactly. Yeah. Isn't that different? And so that's what's going to get made the most. Because if you think about it. Oh, he's Anchorman. I feel like it's a very broad audience that enjoys action movies, you know? Mm -hmm. Yes, true. Because we can all watch that. I can watch my sophisticated shit. Like, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Listenership, please watch that. That's fucking incredible. I know. And I still need to watch that. Have you seen? Oh, my gosh. Viola Davis disappears. I'm like, where is she? Oh, that's her? Seriously. That's a movie that I've had on my list for a while, but I feel like seems like it's kind of heavy so i like you know what? i never know if i'm in the mood for the heaviness especially now so i always like kind of put it off put it off put it off it only takes up like an hour and 20 something minutes of your time though and it's so well worth it that's short and it's not necessarily as heavy as you might think only maybe heavy in that like i mean it's just like uh black people back then you yeah. know but it's not 12 years of slave. Yeah. 
you like you're just looking at another um, swath of black life from an angle you haven't experienced it um, before. Like you haven't experienced it like that before, or had it presented to you. Like you've seen a million a million slave movies. White people love those, unfortunately, because now they keep making these things over and over again because there's a clear market for that. People right. love feeling terrible about the fact that that should happen. I understand. Although I don't because I'm not white. But that's why like they make them every year. And they're always, like nearly almost always, Oscar contenders, winning independent spirit awards, all that shit, right? Because how could you yeah. not buy that? It happened. So them being miserable right there on screen, I'm not about to doubt that that's not real or or realistic. Because right. <laughs> I can't and usually deny the painful part films of films are always so like raw and so like, yeah, because you know. there's no other place to go, right? They have to. Be. Yeah, you gotta be you, like like you have to strip everything away because we have so much as people here in 2021. We have so yeah. much. So to strip yourself back around to where you were surrounded by people who didn't believe you to have any humanity at all. You got to be all the way in. You got to get into a, a di- just a different kind of bag, and it takes a different, like a different kind of actor to do that. And most actors can't go there. Yeah. But I guess it's kind of easy for black people to go there. Just easier, you know, to go there. You know. But I mean, everyone involved has to go somewhere interesting, right? Because mm-hmm. it ain't like it's mad white people uh, hating on people to that kind of gr- that extreme degree. But you got to lead us to believe that you are of the the most hating ass motherfucker, right? I don't you know ever like you know just laid eyes on, like you have to be really terrible, and who knows what kind of place some of these actors go to to get there. You know? Sure. And some people don't have to do that. Some people ain't method. You know, a lot of people ain't. So, who knows? Yeah. But, you know, yeah, I think I, you know, I think that you're right about that. But I, I say that Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is is is, is music based. Um, is definitely based in history. What's interesting about it, and I keep it kind of shallow, that way you can watch it because you need to see it. The performances themselves, like Chadwick Boseman, this was the last yeah. film he had ever done before exactly. he passed, before he moved on, he, you know? So sad. So sad, but man, to watch him do this the way that he did this, this was probably my favorite thing that he's ever done. There was... A, his his uh final his uh final you know final act really his final thing yeah it was incredible so I can see it being heavy because it's like ah oh, man he's gone but yeah. I I watched it to just appreciate his brilliance you know before he's gone it, like it's dope listenership so when y'all find the time make the time watch Ma Rainey's Black Bottom to watch a woman like that be as powerful in such a period in time in our history. Where you never, like, when you look back, because we didn't get to experience that, but we hear stories. And we tend to hear the same story. It was nothing but subterfuge and struggle, and it was. But there were pockets of life that people existed in, like Ma Rainey, where she was kind of in a position of power because of her her God-given abilities, just her undeniable just abilities. She had something that white people couldn't reproduce, but they can get paid yeah, absolutely. Exploiting, you know what I'm saying? So. Oh, yeah. I was listening to, listening to the other day, um, something about, I listened to this podcast that I think NPR creates. It's like about conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. And the one op- episode I was listening to was about pot and like about weed. And 
speed and what it does to you and you know, and they did at the time i think it was billy holiday a real struggle I don't want to misquote the person that it was, mm-hmm. but how this, you know, artist, she dealt with, you know, addiction and like only because, I mean, she. smoked pot like a lot of people did back then but she got caught with the effect of like she was punished much more for areas who weren't black and it was just the whole snowball of a let's say like it's for sure billy holiday that this happened to and maybe somebody knows it was just it, it was crazy to learn that like someone who you know you enjoy their music now mm-hmm. and just to know it like they went such an incredible struggle um it's just crazy a lot of these artists yeah you're right like just super surprised that the who who would be on drugs and when you think about the times you're like you know what i think everyone was on drugs during those times <laughs> like it wasn't a a, a uh, it wasn't a unique exactly. thing like this is how we get this is how we got through life and over problems you know targeted you know and punished while other people weren't punished at all right right there's a there's actually you know for instance there's a weed company who doesn't sponsor us as well um, called Farmer and the Felon. And what they kind of do is a lot of the proceeds of the income or the profits generated from selling their weed to dispensaries and to the consumer, it helps fund programs and just an initiative used to free and exonerate a lot of people who were put into prisons around the nation, usually from inner cities and that sort of thing. Um, you know, just finding another way to hustle and make it out here when they're locked off of mainstream society, but it kind of gets them back into um, a good right. standing with society and giving them some resources, essentially, because you start at zero, less than zero, because now you have this scarlet letter of having had been incarcerated at some time in your life. And that makes it very hard to get into anything. Made it hard, you know what I'm saying? Like to get regular jobs, I should say. Well, like a, a corporation or something, you know. But if you're yeah. a self-starter, you can kind of do what the fuck you want to do, which is the benefit of being your own fucking boss. How about that? How about that listenership? But it shouldn't be that way. I don't know. But what kind of world do we live in again? What kind of country do we live in again? The one where that oh, shit is not the case. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. What you got going on today? Well, the remainder of the day. Going to edit my chill tomorrow and how little far. I 
right? And they're doing some sort of little outdoor, like grand opening thing where they're going to have like live music and Mai Tais and sushi. And it's that spot, you know, in North Hollywood, it's on Magnolia. It's like Kahuna Tiki or something. They're kind of like a really odd type restaurant. You ever been in there? Uh, Explain it again. Describe that shit again. Magnolia and you know that one stretch of Magnolia. Is it a bar? No, not not Tiki. No, it's Uh, on Magnolia. It's like on that little stretch where like. in the arts district area okay okay and it's a quirky spot because it's kind of outdoors but kind of not outdoors first food too like pokey and stuff and they have luau's and stuff from time to time i think okay it's an interesting place but anyway they're opening up another side so they're doing some sort of like fun thing tomorrow. So I'm like, you know, I'm going to get my work done on Saturday so that on Sunday I can go have a little fun, maybe. Okay. So yeah, I'm going to edit some videos. Edit some videos and swing by the little joint that's on Riverside that they're uh, setting, yeah. you know, setting up outside. Maybe these days. Everything's outside. Everything is outside. Except for the people. No, they can't stop them now. <laughs> they was like, we got to look, even if we got to set these motherfuckers up in the middle of the street, they won't shut the fuck up about this. So let's just, yeah, let's drag the tables out into the middle of the street. <laughs> and that's what they did. I was like, I know, right? they are in the middle of the street right now, eating. Acting like people in L.A. don't just straight up drive up on the, you know, the pier and run through crowds of people with their fucking shit. How how quickly you guys forget? How, huh? It feels very like feels very European now. You know, like people have to eat out on the sidewalks on tables. Yeah, mm-hmm. I kind of hope we still do that when this is all over. I do too, but again, we live in a place where people be driving through the front the front fucking door of a post office with their car. People drive up the pier with their automobile through crowds of people and shit <laughs> randomly. You know, and people can't drive out here. So that's out not here. like Paris, you know. That would just be the when you're at, like, way to go. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I know. You like like you sitting there eating crepes, strawberry crepes with a little Nutella on there. Sounds delicious. And uh, you get smacked by some fucking du- some fucking dweeb speeding in a BMW M fucking three, giving to him as a high school graduation present. And this guy's doing too much, popping the clutch and shit, losing control. Yeah, yeah, I'll be pissed. He yeah, drove straight, some sort he, of like motherfucker drove right through my breakfast. <laughs> I couldn't wait until the pandemic was over because they gave us no end date. I know. It's like I, I really think a lot of the issue that I've had this whole time is that I feel like early on they kind of made it, they played it up like. Like, oh, blah, it'll blow over, it'll be fine. And then they're like, oh, I like this date. Things should be better. And so you like look forward to that date, and then the date comes and goes. And then it just starts to feel endless, you know? It does. When this, like, when I'm not 
when people ain't used to seeing chins no more and like so what's weird <laughs> the uncanny valley of it all is seeing someone's face the full the whole right. bald face or you're kind of disenchanted when someone's face shape ended up not kind of matching the you know the uh the first 61 percent of the face you could see Right. Or the thirty eight percent of the face that you can actually see, like, oh and for some reason like they took a sip of water or something, they had to take the little mask off real quick. Then you see like the rest of their situation and you're like, Oh, oh, okay. I I, I didn't see it happening that way. I didn't see it going there. It's, in, it's an interesting shaped <laughs> interesting shaped head. <laughs> That's cool. All right. <laughs> but you ain't even looking at them the same. Oh, We're used to seeing nothing but uh foreheads and it's nuts. Eyes. It's kind of nuts. It's crazy. I wonder what the uh, and I know Imagine that being a kid right now. You know what? They're like I'm thinking of like you know there was one of these things I think an evolutionary scientist or psychologist or something they were stud- studying a group of uh, I want to say bonobo chimps and. I can't remember what what the behavior was, but they introduced like the scientists kind of introduced something to them to get them to behave a little bit differently. So once they did a certain pattern of behaviors, they did it 99 times. Then they would kind of repeat this from group of animal to group of animal, especially primates. If it happened 99 times, they would give birth to the offspring that would naturally do what they used to artificially do. You see what I'm saying? Wow. So they would exhibit naturally that altered variable behavior. Scientists got them to do a little differently each time. So essentially, if you do something enough, it is theorized, listenership, and you can look this up yourselves, that you could uh, encode this into your DNA. That's why your environment has such a critical role. You know how it used to be nature versus nurture? Or like, oh, it's based on your environment. Or no, it's it's natural. Well, it's both. It's kind of like it's all, it's all, it's all like it's all of that shit. But we're dualists. We're either black or white. We're always talking about the uh, the dichotomy of things. And sometimes it's both. No one lives Mm -hmm. in the gray. No one thinks about the gray like that, you know. But most of the most interesting things and intricacies and nuances in life. That's the great stuff. And no one talks about the great stuff. Yeah. They deal with nothing but absolutes. But life, there's nothing nothing absolute about that. Except for the fact that, you know, you can come into being, and but you can damn sure die. That's going to happen. That part. Nothing else is guaranteed. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah, interesting. I, I feel for people who have kids right now because I feel like what is it going to do to like the development of like children right now? You know, that's what I mean. Like, I like they might adults, be weird like, fucking like- adults because right now in their formative years of their life, they've had to live it like yeah. this, which is completely unnatural. Like, I feel like we can all bounce back from like how weird this crap has been, mm-hmm. but for kids like that, like especially really young ones that this is kind of all they like know at this point. Yeah. Gotta be some craziness, you know? Yeah. Because do you show them an old way of living? Although we had to get used to this new way. Because yeah, like, we can't act like the old I, 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 way of life is going to return exactly as it was. 
unperturbed because it's not. I even find myself I'm watching like shows and movies and stuff. <laughs> like part of my brain, oh my god, like I'm really like some small part of your brain. Like you know, you go out to like I'll go out to like maybe go out to eat every once in a while outside. Uh, what have you? Go home and like literally in the middle of the you know, it's not natural. So I don't know. I just hope someday we can get to put this all behind us. But isn't it crazy not seeing any kind of end? Then it's though? like we live and it's like, are they preparing? Like, that's what I want to know, because I don't want this to happen again. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, doesn't it kind of feel like uh, instead of them developing an exit strategy, you know, with uh, curatives and things like that in mind and herd immunity studies and whatever, uh, they know about that kind of concept that can be applied to this to help us better anticipate when we could be delivered from this kind of circumstance and put it behind us. Don't you think that, like, it kind of feels as though they're like, we're just kind of playing it by ear because we really don't know. We still don't know. We're not as advanced in our understanding of how this yeah. shit even works. So we've just been building what we believe to be cures to this shit. Or, or not cures to it, but we're just arming your body with the technology to be able to identify it and then fight it. Which is what that kind of, as far as my right, cursory understanding. Not, it's not really start. just talking about the vaccine. It's talking about how like a, another pandemic is kind of inevitable, like modern society and how people travel, yeah. you know, across the globe and how air travel is. And like, just this is, this is definitely could most definitely happen again, some other different type of virus. And maybe the next thing is like, we need to like probably adjust a lot of the way that we like live. Uh, mm -hmm. thing John Oliver about this other night. And they were basically talking about how this stuff happens because we, as the humans, start encroaching upon wildlife and where wildlife lives. Mm -hmm. So whereas before, you know, we didn't live in these, you know, certain forests or we didn't live in these certain areas. And there's like all these different types of uh, animals that can carry disease that now we're encroaching upon their sort of habitats. And that's what's causing these types of uh, pandemics to happen. And it's really fascinating, but it's like, it's also terrifying because it just shows you how easily something like this could happen again in the future. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was uh, talking about with a, a buddy of mine was like, essentially all of these things, these pandemics and things were possible. When you look back throughout time and history, we used to be a different kind of people who lived a different kind of lifestyle and life we used to hunt for our food. All of that took energy. All of that took mobility and movement. And then we discovered wheat. So we went from being foragers and people who live that kind of lifestyle, more nomadic and that sort of thing, and, and encountered new um, bacteria and new this and new germs and new that to build your immunity as well. There's a lot of benefits to being... Because you're inherently more fit if you're moving. You know, if you got to chase your food right. and shit and you can't sit still and shit can kill you and get you out of here too. Like, because it ain't safe out there because you ain't got shelter like that. But when we found wheat, wheat takes a lot of your energy. It takes a lot of your time. Then you started building farms and shit. 
because to be able to control any of this and all of this, we need more hands. We need more people. So then you're really, you're really out there reproducing kids. You know what I'm saying? Whole clans, teams. And so they started living with their food is the point. Listenership. Like they started living with their food instead of hunting it and shooting it, killing it from afar or sneaking up on it. It was just there already living there. And we weren't necessarily designed to really be right by the food, but at a distance. Because now, because we're never around the food long enough for it to get sick and then give me what it has. It was cultivated in an animal. Mm-hmm. So animals used to get sick, you know, and wipe a small population of themselves out, or sometimes a large population, depending on what the plague was. But it transferred to uh, Jebediah, and then he gave it to the kids and they give it to everybody in the community so quickly. There's very little space between us now, too. We're concentrated. So right. these things spread super fast. It used to be like, yeah, it kind of swept uh, you know, through that farm. They all got uh, you know, hay fever, you know, and they lost a couple, but they had 19 kids. So they're only down to 17. But uh, right. you know, we got a couple. We're on the way to replace them. It's different now. You're right. It happened like it spread like wildfire because that's what, you know, that's how connected we are now. You can get on a plane and the plane is the delivery mechanism for a new strain of some shit. Right. You know, and then and then and then they give it a name to scare you like they are. They always fucking do the bees, the killer bees <laughs> like they got to Africanize them like they got to be African bees now. Killer hornet. And, and and they're always from somewhere in Africa. The Africanized killer hornets. <laughs> <laughs> They're saying everything but nigga bees. You know, these nigga bees coming over here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, the Africanized killer bees are far more aggressive than, man, you you just, you just had to go there, huh? <laughs> you know what these white people thinking about when you say Africanized. Nigga uh, bees, because they're trained and conditioned to respond to certain words and phrases a certain way. So they're going to make that connection automatically. Right. It's so clever. African ass killer bees. You're not wrong. That's why I named my podcast that shit. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) that's your podcast name now. (laughs) No, that's what it's been. Oh shoot, that's okay. We learned something. African ass killer bees. African ass killer bees. I'm like, why? What is what is Africanization? Because if something is Africanized, that means Africanization is a process, right? No. Am I right or wrong? I could be wrong. Listenership. I could be wrong. But I thought that's how no shit went. Materialized. Materialization. Right. Something's it gives materializing. It like, a different, uh, like tone. Right. The act of becoming something, right? So, yeah. Af- Africanized killer bees. And they got to be the, you know, they got to be the fucking aggressive one. You got to stop at nothing to try to solve oh, things. Man. I know. So funny. But yeah. So we got the uh, Hornets. But now we have the South Durban. So that was the point I was making. We got the Durban strain, the South Durban African. The South African strain that they fucking made up that made landfall. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It wears baggy it's pants. it's so much harder to apparently. This strain wears baggy pants, dreads, <laughs> wears a hoodie. This strain is a, this strain walks slow as fuck when they cross the street and they staring you down like you doing something wrong at a I red light. This strain is an asshole. <laughs> this South Durban Africanized strain of COVID that they just made up. It's like things yeah. that make you go home. I'm like, why? 
We have an LA strain too. We're doing good. We're doing a good. We job. do. We have our own strain. Oh, we had our own girl. We, Jess, we've had our own strain for like a few months, like a couple months now. We have a homegrown OG strain. You know, you know, it's OG Kush. We got our own OG, OG strain, the LA OG strain. We got one of them. There you go. It's just crazy. <laughs> yep, the life we live. That's why we. That's why we do shit like this. We have portions and you know, set aside for a long some time. time. Yeah, we just you know set aside some time to just be silly, just have fun, sort this shit out together. <laughs> this is really what I create the podcast for. Like, hey, we're just sorting some shit out and laughing at the ridiculousness. How about that? It's a good use, good use of time, I'd say. But I appreciate you. And where this was fun. Where can the listeners? We're gonna do this again too because we damn sure. I'm going to do it in the better internets and we're going to have a, a free flowing one. Uninterrupted. Yes. Yes. Because this is going to be, I purposely didn't speak for a nice length of time to show me on the waveform exactly where to go. So it shouldn't be too mm-hmm. bad. It shouldn't be too bad. Yeah. Though. yeah it shouldn't be too bad. Track of where to... I have one, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24 marks. So we good. Nice. That's what happens when you are 50 episodes, and this is the 50 episode. Um, Straw Hats listeners around the world who tune into uh, I Mean podcast, we're 50. That's awesome. And I was on the 50th episode. I feel very special. You are very special. This is Miss Moore style. You can find her on. Where are you the most? IG or uh, Definitely Instagram. I figured that was your shit. Y'all, she, she does unboxings. Like she's an influencer and stuff. So she <laughs> she has influence. And so when you do that, you can open boxes and get bags. Sometimes there's bags in those boxes. Sometimes you get a bag to open a box. This is the kind of stuff that influencers get to do, you know? Yeah, it's it's a fun time. I uh, like to share, like, affordable fashion that looks like it's, you know, expensive. But, you know, someday I'll have that bougie budget to buy all the, the expensive things. But until then, I'm just finding the good and sharing them. So, essentially, Miss Moore style, you can find her on IG at... M O O R E style, Miss Moore style. M O O R E S T Y L E. Same thing on YouTube, same thing on everything else. You can actually look fly for the Lowski. That's what <laughs> she's saying, Broski. For exactly. the Lowski. Like you can look fly no matter what. She knows how to put shit to fucking gather. And if you can have that kind of eye, y'all, you can always look fly no matter what your budget's looking like. And that's Miss Moore style. And I'm going to play us out, and we're going to do this again. Yeah, I would love to. Anytime. Yep. We power through this like some damn soldiers. Bing. So I'm going to play us out with some Misty. And we, we're going to bid each other adieu. It's from a new entry called The Collection Agency. Y'all know by my brother, Currency. Watching the way so you crash 
And I'm Monkey D. Travanti on all platforms. Use me on IG if I'm on the internet. You know what I mean? Please share, like, subscribe. You know the deal. Leave a sterling five-star review on all the DSPs. Share this. But I won't let her get me. Only that money content me. Gotta be about them binges. Only millions worth my energy. While my broke keepers eyes peel for the enemy's gray sweats. White L Max pennies. First edition. Vintage magic satin starter jacket. Go perfect with them. Talk your shit, Spitter Andretti. Shout out to Spitter. Some nerf niggas. You play that game around here. You might get hurt, nigga. The South still got something to say. Jet life all day. Self-made millionaire. I done that shit my own way. Life behind the mask. Have the cars there when we land. Sliding with my H-Town partner. We in the slab studio. Later on, that's millionaires in the lab. Watch cost a car. The car costs a house. Changing lives off of rap. But it's bigger than that. Recalibrating then attack. Cause the game changed so fast. I think about my young homie. He be out on the app. He's super talented. Okay, so Talk your shit. The streets, I swear, make me sad. I tell him about that shit like every chance I have. But I respect it here, young boss, and he in his bag. I hope the industry recognizes superstar flash and he leave that life in the past. Put all his homies on so they don't crash. I mean, part of gmail.com. And again, that's Miss Moore Style. M I S S M O O R E Style. On all platforms, please reach out to her. She's fly as fuck. And she is one of my nearest and dearest. Plenty of Thanksgiving. She done looked out for me, Christmases, all of them occasions. So I love y'all straw hats. Reach out to me on uh, IG, Monkey D. Travanti, all platforms. And uh, I appreciate y'all kicking it with me for at least 50. And there's going to be plenty more from where this came from. So I love y'all. And y'all stay safe out there.